Welcome to Wonder Tour with Derek Cobb and Drew Perot, where we are learning leadership lessons from your favorite stories. Hi, I'm Brian Nutwell. And I'm Drew Perot. And we're on a journey to become better leaders by touring fantastic worlds and inspiring lore by going on a wonder tour. We connect leadership concepts to story context because it sticks to our brains better. You can find out more at wondertourpodcast.com. This week, it's part two of Fast Five. In part one, we talked about flipping the map upside down or flipping the script. And we mostly focused on the business context of how we can use the tactical maneuver of flipping the map in order to gain information about the map or to be able to rewrite the map. So now in part two, we're gonna continue with that flipping the script metaphor, but we're gonna talk about the family element because again, this is Fast and the Furious, so salute me familia. It's probably the most classic line in the entire franchise. We love Dom, we love Brian and Mia and Letty, and we love them because they come together and they fight for something and they care about each other and they sacrifice for each other. And so we wanna look at how in Fast Five, not just are there examples of flipping the script in order to gain information, there's examples of of flipping the script in order to build an effective team and really to bring the family together. Welcome to Wonder Tour. All right, we're back. This is Brian. I'm here with Drew. I'm going to start off this episode with a controversial assertion. We talked last time about how Fast and Furious and Fast Five in particular is a classic heist movie. I'm going to assert here that Fast and Furious is an epic fantasy franchise. I'm going to defend my assertion by pointing out that we have literal wizards who can violate the laws of reality, in this case not in X-Wings but in fast cars, so Dom and Brian can do things that are not physically possible in an automobile. We have epic themes of family and loyalty and freedom. We have implacable, shadowy enemies who have armies of faceless goons who are utterly incompetent at shooting anything except when it's really valuable to the plot. We have a temporary antagonist who might turn into a protagonist. We have team members who are motivated by a variety of roles. This is totally a fantasy movie. It doesn't have elves and wizards and swords, but it kind of does. I love it. I know that in the first episode, we talked about how this has become one of my favorite franchises of all time. And of course, those of you who've been on Wonder Tour with us know that Star Wars and Lord of the Rings and to some extent Marvel, those franchises have really taken that upper echelon. And so when you suggested that idea to me, Brian, that this is really a fantasy movie, it all clicked for me. Yeah, absolutely. That's why, because most of my top favorite movies are fantasy movies. And so when you combine those together with a heist movie, one of my favorite genres, it really does create this, while it's not perfect in terms of execution or acting or plot or any of those things, it's just how it all comes together to create this awesome experience for the viewer that you just leave smiling. Right. And it's, you know, the suspension of disbelief that's required for a fantasy or science fiction movie, right? You know, spaceships make noise and have to bank as they fly through space and people can lift things with their brains. And, you know, it's like, you know, elves can live forever. Like all these things are kind of ridiculous, but we accept them because of their context. Fast and Furious is ridiculous because it shows it in our context, right? And we're doing things that you probably really can't do. But nonetheless, it's the same kind of thing. Like, you know, Brian and Dom are basically Jedi, right? They just don't have X-Wing fighters. They have Dodge Chargers strapped to a giant safe. <laughs> so this is fun. But because of this structure, because the way that they treat this movie is not like we have to be super realistic. The way we treat this movie is it's all about the themes. It's all about the emotional content. You start off, the early couple movies are more like character redemption arcs and coming-of-age stories and those kinds of things. But what they turn into is it's about the family. It's about the Mia Familia. It's about loyalty. It's about trust and solving problems together. 
And it's pretty cool in the sense that Dom is sort of the emotional center of the movie. Not Certainly not the intellectual center of gravity here, right? But he's the emotional center of gravity for these things as the strong character who is unquestionably focused on his principles. But because of that, because he's so principle driven, because he's, you know, actually, as you know, Wonder Tour has expressed over so many episodes, right? He is literally the magnanimous leader, right? He is the surprisingly emotionally intelligent leader. And his actions and were this, principle driven. Yeah, and that's where this franchise flips the script in the first place, is you don't expect this gigantic meathead to be the magnanimous leader. That's usually not what we're seeing in these other Wonder Tour episodes, right? We always point to Cooper and Murph and Interstellar. And we look at these characters and see that while they're all conflicted and they all have challenges, we normally get the intellectual leader, the compassionate leader, stuff like that. And actually, that is what we're getting to some extent. Other than the intellectual part, we are getting the compassionate leader with Dom. We're kind of set up at the beginning of this franchise because obviously they didn't know what kind of legs it was going to have with like, oh, Dom killed a guy and he's coming out of jail and, you know, he's gone through all this trouble in his life. And so at first he's a little bit gruffer of a dude, but he ends up being very much a soft guy despite his hard exterior. And that's part of the charm of the entire franchise. I mean, I love all the different actors that they bring in here across the different franchises, not just in Fast Five, but it doesn't work without Dom. You know, we saw that to some extent with Hobbs and Shaw. It's a fun movie. We got Jason Statham. We got The Rock. But without Dom, it's not Fast and Furious. It's really Vin Diesel's ridiculous character that comes in here. And despite all of the, you know, flat lines that he delivers and like sounds like he's talking through a soup can. Like <laughs> Despite all of that, he's absolutely endearing because he's willing to sacrifice for the team. Because he's always willing, you know, like at the end there, right, where he's willing to yeah. be the one to go back and take the hit with Reyes if he has to. He's like, no, 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 Brian, you got to survive this one. It's not about yeah. me. It's fun to imagine, right? Can you, ima- can you imagine the Fast and Furious franchise working with George Clooney as the lead? Right? <laughs> like, you know, it's just it's a whole different vibe. But that's, you know, they, they built it around him. But yeah, in this movie in particular, we do, like we talked about last time, right? They set up kind of this two-leveled set of antagonists, right? You've got Hobbs as the mirror antagonist, the one who's kind of the clone of Dom, only bigger and scarier and more focused and emotionally dumber. And then you've got the Reyes Shadow Emperor character in the background, who's the real mega antagonist, that their final goal. But Hobbs is a good foil, right? He's Dom only more so. Like, he's bigger and gruffer and even less emotionally intelligent, right? But he is, as we talked about last time, he's not very good at reading the map. He's not playing game theory, gathering information. He's just bulldogging straight ahead. You know, his bigger weakness is he is completely insensitive to the people around him. His team is following him because they have to, because he's the big badass and because he's the one who's, you know, bludgeoning them into submission. Oh, you need to put this car back together, even though you're a Navy SEAL or whatever, right? you know. Oh, you need to go out and do this uncomfortable thing. You need to go, you know, solve this problem. He just, he barks at people. He's very military. But he's not very sympathetic to his team. He brings this young Brazilian translator, police officer woman onto his team, but he doesn't really, Elena. yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't understand her. He doesn't take any time to get to know her, to you know, understand her situation very well, except for to use her as leverage. Like, oh, you're going to help me because we have the same enemy. That's his level of sophistication. That's perfect, too, because actually Dom has compassion on Elena, where The Rock almost doesn't. The Rock yeah, is coming he has, in. He has insight into her and he uses it just as leverage. Oh, you're going to help me because we have the same enemy, right? And he's insensitive to the people around him. He gets double crossed and doesn't even realize it because he's so focused on like, I'm the big American and I'm here to do my job and I'm stronger than everybody. So you're just going to let me. And so he doesn't realize that he gets himself tragically double crossed. 
So we have this great mirror setup where he and Dom are sort of opposite characters. And then they get into the, you know, of course, you knew there was going to be an epic punching each other through walls sort of fight scene between these two guys. So, you know, again, we have a we, yeah, have we a had to have a Hulk of, versus Hulkbuster type of situation here. Yes, absolutely. And it's <laughs> that's great. That's the, that's definitely the kind of fight scene we have where nobody nobody ever actually gets a broken nose or even a bloody nose. But they're like punching each other through concrete walls and. But that results in because because that's that's the Hobbs's entire game, right? He's just power. He's just straight ahead. He's no he doesn't have any nuance to him at all. Because that's the game that they're playing, Dom engages in that game and loses. He ends up he's surrounded by guys with guns. Even though he wins the fist fight, he gets arrested and put in handcuffs because he's engaged with Hobbs on his level. But then they get in the get in the armored car and they're taking him to the airport and they get ambushed by Reyes's guys and all of Hobbs' team gets murdered. Because, is, again, Hobbes was not emotionally intelligent enough to actually have prepared the ground to be successful. Well, how do they survive that encounter? Well, it's because of Elena that they survive in the end, because Hobbes and his crew are completely unprepared, right? They just kind of assume they have the superior military power in this scenario. And they come in through like they're the big baddies. And it doesn't matter what Reyes throws at them. They'll be able to take it because they've got these armored cars. But it's Elena who's being influenced by Dom because there's no way she wants to release these prisoners outside of that. But it's because Dom has had some compassion on her. And Elena herself is this really strong, good character who has good judgment that she's able to free our heroes in this situation, Dom and Brian and the crew. And then they're able to come back and save Hobbs because there's no way Hobbs is going to get out of this or even Elena probably. Maybe she runs away, but I mean, Hobbs is already screwed. He's on the ground. <laughs> so here's your magnanimous leader moment, right? Where Dom has the opportunity to be purely self-focused, right? I am now unhandcuffed. I'm in an armored car. The guy who's been chasing me around Rio is lying on the ground and about to be murdered. What am I going to do, right? The easy thing to do, the selfish thing to do is I fire up the armored car and I get the heck out of here. But instead, what he does is he jumps out of the truck with all of his crew and they take care of all the incompetent bad guys and he offers a hand to Hobbs lifts him up, injured and everything, gets him into the car, and they all get away. So it's beautiful that he is able to keep his feelings intact even throughout the battle, right? He's able to kind of balance his mind, his body, his emotions, despite being in that difficult circumstance. And that is kind of a classic Dom thing, right? He loses his head when he's fighting against The Rock in that physical confrontation. And don't we all sometimes, whether it's physical or mental or whatever it is, right, an argument that we're in, we sometimes, you know, some people get angry, other people just get despondent or clam up, but we all lose it, lose our emotions a little bit sometimes when we get fired up about something. I think that's kind of a hallmark of Dom throughout the entire franchise is he is atoning for that original killing the dude with the wrench situation where he lost his emotions and he didn't have a, a healthy emotional life. And he's doing it in every situation, in every movie, he's trying to get better. And that's why, weirdly, I, I'm realizing this here, that Dom is a magnanimous leader, and he's one of the more magnanimous leaders that we look at, because he is able to integrate the wisdom of how to navigate a situation, partially by being a Gandalf-type wizard. He has that wisdom, even though he doesn't seem like he should. But <laughs> he doesn't seem like a Gandalf, but he's able to integrate that with his emotions and with his body to be able to solve problems. And, and in that way, he's kind of a magnanimous superhero almost. Yeah. Like you said, I think back on the Dune episode, his character is intact. He knows who he is. He knows what his principles are. He invariably acts out of principle. So in this case, the principle is you don't let somebody get murdered on the ground when you can do something about it, right? 
the fact that the the goons are all Reyes's guys that he sort of wants to shoot anyway probably doesn't hurt, right? But it's interesting, right? Because in classic, you know, action movie style, right? We have a bunch of expendable, faceless people. Like lots of people get murdered in this movie, and it's not a big deal because they don't have names and characters or, you know, they don't deliver any lines but they're expendable because they're loyal to the wrong things. And this is a classic fantasy movie or action movie thing. Like, you know, the faceless goons, you can murder stormtroopers and it's fine. They kind of explicitly call it out. Like all the guys that are chasing us and the chasing at the end of the movie, they're, oh, they're all corrupt cops. They're all the ones that, that had been bought out by Ray. So it's okay to shoot them, right? It's okay to crash them into trees and smush them with the snake, right? So it's it's a weird dichotomy, right? That you have to interpret the the morality within the light that it's cast in here, which is that, named characters who have speaking roles, right, can deserve different consideration than everybody else. But having said that, in the context of Magnanimous Leader, yeah, Dom Dom's intact, right? And his and his moral code is that a person that's just trying to do their job and is following a set of principles and is worth saving. Yeah, so let's take this. I know it feels like we've already gotten to the top of the mountain, but we're not there yet, Brian. We still got a couple curves to go here. Let's take ourselves around that bend to the top of the mountain here where we're going to talk about our moment. And I think the moment has to be when the other side, it's kind of like we have like dual moments here, right? Where you talked about the first one is when he picks up Hobbs off the ground. I think the second moment is then when Dom, despite all these setbacks, despite losing Vince, he wants to go back in and get Reyes anyway. He's like, we got to do this. He gives his impassioned speech, as only Vin Diesel can. And nobody else is in, right? They're all, at this point, they're kind of despondent. They're like, no, no, we need to go back home. We've been, there's no way. We tried. It didn't work. You know, we lost Vince. I don't want to die next. And of course, the first one to stand up, one who flips the script, is Hobbs. And that, as the audience, this is one of those concentric circles moments where you have this, you have the emotional ties, you have this scene coming together, you have the adversary flipping to be on the good side, at least for a time here. And to the audience, it's just this gigantic relief slash dopamine release. You're like, yes, I wanted, you know, I wanted Vin Diesel and The Rock to be fighting together this whole time. And just the way in which it's done is so refreshing. You want yourself to be on both sides of that. You want to be on the side where you have this mission that we have to go on to save our family. And you also wish that you could be on Hobbs's side where you're like, yeah, I want to buy into that mission. Even when I was wrong, I want to admit I was wrong and I want to buy into that mission. Yeah, you want to be righteous, but also you want to, yeah, it's fun, right? It's, it's, it's big, dumb, silly fun. But it's also, like you say, yeah, that's a catalyst moment. And we see Dom and Brian sort of skillfully throughout this movie in a variety of ridiculous ways sort of doing this, right? Like they pull this team together. They recognize that they can't do this thing by themselves. And so they're adding people with different skill sets. And they're recognizing that those people have different motivations, right? That, along with that, they come they have their own personality. They have their own lives. They have their own backgrounds. And they all have different things that they care about. They all get their little moments on screen as to what they're trying to accomplish. And some of them are just there for fun. And some of them are like, oh, I want to, you know, Tej wants to go out and start a garage somewhere. Roman's just there for the money. Like, he's like, wait, how much money are we talking about? Excuse me, I mean, maybe I misheard you, right? You know, $10 million? All right, I'm in. They all have slightly different or they've got the, you know, the the demolition pair, right? They're, as far as we can tell, you know, kind of they're there for the fun, right? They're they're a little bit comic relief, but they're also like, we're really good at this thing and we just want to do the thing that we're really good at. You know, we'll go gamble all the money away when we're done anyway. Like, that wasn't really the point. So they're a little bit 3PO and R2. They're there for their useful skills. Understanding how to motivate them is different than how to motivate Roman, is different than how to motivate anybody else on the team. And Hobbs is the last one to drop, right? And he's the one that catalyzes, even though the mission just got harder, 
there's twice as many cops as we thought they were going to be. And now Vince has been killed. And now we've been taken into custody and brought out. And like everything's going haywire, right? Oh, but we just added this big new piece to the team. Because of Dom's emotional integrity, because of his magnanimity, then, okay, okay, Hobbs is like, all right, I'll ride with you. I'm in. So now we've taken our team to the next level. There's intelligent leadership all the way through here, even in ridiculous ways. But when the challenge gets bigger, you have to add some more power. For sure. I want to stop and talk about how in order to get that mindset shift and to get the team to be able to buy into the mission, it starts with a heart shift. And that is something that Dom knows very well. He's constantly using the connection between somebody's emotions and their thoughts in order to get them bought into the mission. And he does it with the familia. That is the vehicle, basically. He says, I think there's you know, another pretty classic quote in there where he says you know, that there's nothing that's ever going to be more important than these people here right now. Let's put that aside for a second, because that philosophically is a very interesting topic to bring up. And if we have time, we can talk about it. But as a device, not a manipulative device, but as a device that is here to promote vision and purpose and mission, it's extremely effective. And I think that is where when we just to time a little bit of a business element here. I mean, you can apply this to families and friends and everything else as well, though. I mean, to think about somebody's emotional well-being seems like it's going to be energy intensive for me to be able to do that. It seems like it's going to require a skill set that maybe I don't have. It seems like it might be impossible in most situations or at least unprofitable. But in the end, that is a requirement for transformation. Because unless our emotional well-being is okay, and unless it's okay for the people around us, in the familia, in the workplace, we can't embrace transformation. You know, all the stories that I hear of companies that are able to go from being the master of one thing to being the leader of the next thing, they do it through a heart transformation first. They don't brute force it. And so that's why I love Dom is because he's the brute force guy. He looks like from the exterior, he's a brute force guy, but he's not really in his leadership style. When you drill down to it, he's an emotions first guy. I think that exactly ties into that quote. For me, that was the money quote in the second half of the movie, right? Nothing is more important than the people in the room right now. And honestly, that's the only thing. Those are the only tools you have. That's the only thing you have available. You're on a team. I don't care if you're a wizard. You can't do the whole job by yourself. You're going to have to do it as a team. You're going to have to have people play their roles. And that's all you've got. Your only real choice is to connect with them as humans, as they're, you know, not only what they're capable of, but also what they care about, and make sure that you're aligning your mission to their skills and your mission to their emotional needs. In this franchise, you know, that's <laughs> that's kind of Dom's role, right? You know, he, he always goes back to first principles. He's always like, what are we trying to accomplish here? We want to live free and we can't countenance this kind of behavior. Those are the things we're trying to accomplish. What's the one thing that we can do that accomplishes both of those things? He's always appealing to that, even when there's immediate obstacles or immediate threats or immediate distractions. He's always playing that long game of like, what are we trying to accomplish here? And how does that, you know, what are you trying to accomplish here? We see this over and over again, and it's it's skillful, again, even in unexpected ways, right? Even when you expect that that's not the skill set that he's going to deploy, that's always what he goes back to. When we talk about tactics here so many times on Wonder Tour in this area, right? Obi-Wan uses a tactic in episode four where he sacrifices himself to catalyze that transformation in Vader and in Luke. It's super important that he sacrifices himself there. And Gandalf, for example, in Fellowship, right, mm -hmm. against the Balrog. Was there another way out of that situation, the you shall not pass situation with the bridge? 
Potentially, Gandalf's pretty powerful. Balrog's probably about on his level in terms of the power <laughs> in Middle-earth. But he does it purposefully to get the team bought into the mission and to get the team to come together. He knows it's going to be tough for them, but he does it anyway. So, I mean, I love that you turned me on to the fact that Dom is almost a Gandalf. It seems so counterintuitive that Dom and Gandalf are playing a very similar role. But the more you think about it, the more you realize, like, yeah, they actually are. He's almost more of the Yoda role sometimes. It's not his wisdom, though. It's his emotional intelligence that's bringing the team together and his eyesight on the purpose that he's constantly driving into everything. And he doesn't do it by beating you over the head with the vision or the purpose. He simply doesn't. He does it by creating an undercurrent towards the purpose. Well, and he is, you know, and again, this movie, these movies work because they're incredibly sincere. Not only are they ridiculous and there's fun things happening on the screen and you're just waiting for the fun, crazy things with the cars to happen on the screen, right? Like, I love the chase scene. I love the whole thing with the dragon, the stupid, you know, the the, the safe tumbling through buildings and knocking down trees and squishing police cars for like 20 minutes at the back half of this movie. I love that chase scene. It's the signature moment of this movie and probably of this franchise for me. So you need that payoff, right? But the but the reason this franchise works is because of the sincerity. Ironically, it's a heist movie. And as we talked about, they spend most of the movie misdirecting everybody outside of the team as to what their goals are. Like everything they do is flipping expectations. It's like, you think I'm trying to deliver this box, but actually I'm trying to get the RC car inside there. You think I'm going to take the money, but I burn the money. You think I'm going to break into the safe, but I'm going to take the safe out of the building. <laughs> like, you know, you thought that this was the safe, but actually the safe is over there. Like they do this over and over again. Outside the team, they're all about playing game theory and about gaining information and about trying to take iterative steps forward. But inside the team, they are perfectly sincere. Everybody in the room knows what the risks are. They know exactly what they're up against. They know what their job is. They know what the chances are something bad can happen. He doesn't sugarcoat anything. He doesn't say this is going to be super easy and fun. He's, you know, like they're very clear what risks they're taking and why. And they have to keep buying in. Like, oh, this isn't going to work. This is never going to work. And we can't we can't figure out how to evade the cameras. Right. They keep trying to keep trying. We can't figure out how to evade the cameras. Oh, okay. We got a new idea. We're going to buy in. Great. We're going to go steal some cars and it's fine. And then Tej is like, oh, there's no way you're going to break into that safe. The safe is ridiculous. We can never possibly figure this out. And then they pull up a truck. like, hey, here's another safe you could practice on. Okay, but you need a handprint. Okay, great. We'll go get a handprint. Can you do it now? They solve people's problems for them, and then they ask them to do buy-in again. And that's a real thing. Yeah, that is exactly. I don't even, this episode isn't about the tactics. Sometimes we want to get into the tactics. That's why the movies as a base point for Wonder Tour are so valuable, because the tactics are kind of just provided in front of you. But the vulnerability that's required to be a magnanimous leader cannot be understated because otherwise you cannot create an emotional connection. You cannot understand people on a real and sincere level. It's so obvious when there's not that level of realness. When we look at the world today, at least in the West, again, I always like to say in the West because I am not aware of what's going on in other areas. But in the West, you know, I'm pretty attuned to what the culture's like. And in corporate America specifically, I mean, there is a distinct lack of realness in what's going on. I mean, just when you look at the news, yeah, these are real things for somebody, but they're not real things when they're on a flat screen in front of me or when they're on my Google News as I'm scrolling through my phone. They're hardly real. What we need as humans are real things. We need those moments that a magnanimous leader doesn't create on their own, but a magnanimous leader facilitates by being there. By having compassion, by having integrity and all these values that we talk about on Wonder Tour, by bringing those together and by being present in the moment, 
just like we talked about, the only thing that matters is right here, right now. Yeah, these people the in the room. Leader. Yeah, these, these these people in the room. The sense of sincerity about looking people in the eye and understanding what they want and solving their problems on the way to everybody solving the bigger problem. Right. So that's all. Yeah, that's all real stuff. And you feel so disconnected when there's no realness, when all it is is corporate this and corporate that. And here's the vision and the principles and stuff. Well, those things are great. But unless they're grounded in something real, unless they're grounded in the Fast and Furious example in Familia, right, and in, in the loss of Vince and in the tears that people cry. I know this is such a hard thing to take to the business world. It's a little bit easier at home, but some days it's not. To have that vulnerability, I mean, yeah. we could do a whole series on vulnerability for magnanimous leaders, honestly. Yeah, no, that might be a fun discussion. I think the word I keep coming back to for this one is sincerity. The leader being willing to look everyone else in the eye and describe the actual situation and understand where they are and try to get to that converge, not only the, sh the shared purpose, but also the what do people need to be able to work effectively. And they solve a lot of individual people's problems on their way to solving the big problem in this movie. And so that's really powerful. Yeah, if the mission is failing or if the mission is not achieving the desired results, I know that there's this idea that maybe we need to go back and we need to rethink our tactics and stuff. Yeah, that's right. But unless I mean, I my starting point is usually the heart. Let's first see where people's hearts are at, because if people's hearts aren't in it, there's no purpose to me in keeping going unless we fix the heart problem first. And that's the hardest problem to fix. And so that's why we're on Wonder Tours, because to have the wisdom and the skills to be able to help facilitate that heart transformation. I mean, that's why leaders exist. Yep. Like you said, the heart shift has to precede the mindset shift. I love it. All right. Then I had one more analogy that I was thinking of as we were talking for the, the if this is a fantasy franchise, then I want the NOS button for my life, right? Like whenever they have a problem in a car, they solve it by pressing the NOS button. It's like the force in the Fast and Furious, right? Where you've got this magical thing that makes cars able to do things that they weren't able to do otherwise. And there's a whole bunch of things that they do with cars in this movie that cars are probably not able to do otherwise. So. Yeah, further reinforcing our theme that Dom and Brian are the Jedi of the series. I love it. I love it. We got to bookend this episode with that, man. The Dom and Brian are the Jedi of the Fast and Furious. You heard it here first. That's awesome. All right. Well, this has been a really fun conversation. Really appreciate you guys hanging with us. Coming up next week, we're going to dig up a classic from the Disney vault. We're going to talk about big world versus small world. We're going to talk about emerging leaders dreaming of their future. And we're going to talk about how external reality doesn't necessarily reflect internal character. That's right. We're going to hit Beauty and the Beast. Looking forward to seeing you then. And just remember, character is destiny. <laughs>